if there's only matter, then at some point in time, you're going to have to explain how life emerged. And at some point in time, there's going to appear a man who's going to have to provide the basis for this idea of the emergence of life. That man just happened to be Darwin. Right? There had to be, there had to inevitably be a Darwin at some point uh, or the other. Right? So, you know, he came along and he brought out this notion uh, that life has a common origin and, you know, so on and so forth, whatever. Then you can have other orientations to explain the origin of the universe, uh, Einstein, those kind of people. Then you can have ideas in philosophy. <coughs> all these philosophies are going to start appearing now. So that's why you see in the 19th, 20th century, all these lifestyle philosophies start appearing based upon just a material explanation of, of the universe. So you start getting people like, you know, uh, like um, this man, Jean-Paul Sartre, Life is just, you know, it's called existentialism, right? So life is just uh, personal freedom, pursue your lusts, pursue your desires, make your own reality, make your own truth. That's what truth is, right? So, so what I'm saying is that once you, and then you also have economic doctrines come to play now, like Marxism, and then you have uh, secularism, how to govern people without religion, right? And then you have like the socialism. And so basically this whole package now starts developing, on the back of a purely material explanation of life, and it brings with it tremendous chaos and ruin and destruction. Right? So what you are seeing right now of undermining gender, the spread of homosexuality, and all this LGBTIQ, XYZ, whatever, and then you know, uh, you know, uh, indoctrinating children to take them away from their nature. Basically, it's, it's, it's degradation of society. The basic fundamental facts and realities of, of human nature that we know from revealed books, all of that is gone. And what you're seeing is complete and total dis disintegration in every aspect, right? So you have problems with drugs, you have problems with alcohol, you have economic issues of where people are being robbed of their money through economic doctrines, right? Central banking practices, riba, all the rest of it. Right? And then they're being, um, uh, in so many ways, these people are being looted and destroyed, and their, their fitra and their aql is being chilled and changed and altered, and all of it is on the back of these notions and these ideas. Right? Of, of, the, of this. So that's why I'm saying, I said to you before, that this comes with, a, it's, a, it's like a package deal. It's a package deal. Right? You start with materialism, you're going to end up with these consequences that you are seeing now within these, within these, within these societies. So they have science with them. Science that is that begins with uh, a materialist premise that we start off with materialism as a belief, then we build science on the back of that. Then you have philosophy as well. Then you have all the other stuff that comes off, you know, from from the back of all of that. So this is what has developed in general in the West, right? In the institutions of science, in education in entertainment, in everything, you're seeing a permeation of this materialist ideology. And that's why Sheikh Saleh Al-Sheikh, why I mentioned at the very beginning of this lecture, I quoted from his, from his statement, he, is seeing, he, he basically said in that statement that what we are seeing now is a worldwide, it's taghrib, taghrib. It's like pushing the, this, this culture uh, of materialism across the whole of the globe, right into the Muslim lands. And this is made possible by way of, you know, the internet and social media and things like that. So we need to be alert to this and be aware of this because it all comes with, as we said, this whole entire package. 
right? Then you start buying into the, the scientific conjectures. Then you start buying into the, the philosophy itself, the lifestyle philosophy of, you know, uh, pursuing lusts and desires and, and pastimes and things like that. And then along comes it with the economic doctrines as well, right? And then so on and so forth. So this is like really a corrosive uh, uh, force. And um, again, we are speaking in just very generals and, and general ways because this is a very, very deep uh, topic. And so we want to move on now to the actual causes of atheism. Uh, there are 12 in number which I have here. And we'll try to summarize them as quickly and briefly as possible, inshallah ta'ala. So obviously there are causes, and the cures are known by looking at these causes. So the first of those causes is the spread of conjectural, speculative sciences of the disbelievers. And in particular, two of them, which is the Big Bang cosmology, and secondly, you know, the, the, the neo-Darwinism, or this notion of, of evolution. Now both of these... We cannot do justice to these two things in a, in a lecture like this. Uh, you know, they are very deep topics. I refer you to two separate documents. The first document on the Big Bang is an article you'll find on the website uh, aqida.com, A-Q-I-D-A-H.com. There's a 30-40 page article on Big Bang cosmology and the Quran. You can refer to that for more detail. To put it in a nutshell to you, how this Big Bang cosmology appeared. Now this is where if an atheist is listening now to what I'm going to say, he'll probably start laughing. He'll probably have fits of laughter. And you think, look at this, look at this, look at these stupid madmen speaking about this nonsense or whatever. But in reality, it's the actual, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Right? They are the madmen and the fools who've been duped and hoodwinked and have their intellect stolen. Right? So to understand what I'm getting at here is that this whole cosmology that you are brainwashed with in school ever since the early 20th century, that whole cosmology appeared because of a specific reason. And that specific reason was that all of the empirical experiments in the 19th century proved that the earth is completely stationary and is not moving at all. This is what the science of the 19th century established, right? And there are many, many statements. This is simply a historical fact. This is undeniable. But most of these people never, ever come across this information. So when you, when you tell an atheist this, inside he'll be thinking, oh my gosh, this is a lunatic that I'm speaking to. Up until you whip out the statements of Einstein and all the other biographers of Einstein and all the scientists and whatever the... The historians, until you whip out their statements and you start reading the statements. Then it's like, you know, you just give them a backhand and they're just dazed and dazzled, right? So, so this is, this is a, a, a historical fact, right? That in the 19th century, the, the instrumentation was available, you know, the machines, devices to actually test physically, is the earth in motion or not? So without going to all the details, there were a whole range of experiments done over 70, 80 years. And this completely baffled them because they thought, hang on, what is going on here? You know, the, the, the Copernican system of the, 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 the earth moving, it can't be proven empirically. It's falsified empirically. So this was the biggest problem at the end of the 19th century. How are we going to solve this problem of, of a stationary earth? And so this is clearly documented in the actual sources. 
And I've, you know, eight or nine statements here from, uh, you know, many, many of famous... Arthur Eddington is a famous physicist. He's speaking historically about this in his book. There, is, there was just one alternative. The Earth's true velocity through space might happen to be nil. Meaning these experiments couldn't detect the Earth's motion. So they're trying to find all these different explanations to run away from the actual thing that it was saying. Right? So these physicists and, you know, they're basically saying, look, one of the, there's only one alternative that they had, which is to basically admit the Earth is not moving. Another one, physicist Bernard Jaffe. Uh, the data of this experiment were almost unbelievable. There was only one other possible conclusion to draw, that the Earth was at rest. Right, I can go on and on. There's the, the book here, uh, 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 a biography of Einstein. Um, the Michelson-Morley experiment confronted scientists with an embarrassing alternative. So he's talking about these experiments only left them with two options. One option is to say, right, everything we've understood about light, magnetism, electricity, we've only understood it because we've assumed that there's some there's a universal medium that's present everywhere and that's how light, electricity and magnetism, how it works, right? Just like in water, you've got waves. You can't have waves without water, without the medium of water. And just like you can't have sound without the medium of air. In a similar manner, the phenomena of electricity, magnetism, things like that, you can't have it unless there's a medium everywhere. So, so there's only two ways you can escape from these experiments. One is to say that there's no such thing as this medium, in which case you have to scrap everything you know about electricity, magnetism, and, and whatever else, and start from scratch, which they didn't want to do. Or the other option was to, was to basically admit that the Earth is completely stationary, which is what the experiments were saying. Or the third option is to basically invent something new to explain away the experiments. Right, so what they did was they went for this third option to invent some newfangled ideas to explain away these experiments that the Earth is completely still and is not moving at all. So this is this is where Einstein came in with his ideas, and on the back of Einstein's ideas, this Belgian priest came along and came with the Big Bang cosmic egg, and on the back of that, you know, a few other people came along, and then they constructed this idea that we're given today of the Big Bang cosmology of, of the universe. All of this is pure speculation. It's pure speculation. And if you dig in down deep enough, you'll find that there are all these assumptions and conjectures in the way that they, you know, the, the, the way that they construct the actual the model itself. Anyway, long story short, I don't want to go into this with too, too, too much detail. Basically, they have successfully managed to convey the idea that these models are based on empirical science when they are not right they are conjectures in which there is some science involved but there are there are assumptions and conjectures involved in these in, in these theories so as muslims we need to understand we need to dig down and look at the foundations of these ideas and how they do not meet the standards of scientific inquiry Right. These ideas do not, do not meet the, neither the Big Bang cosmology, it does not meet the standards of actual, the actual scientific method, right? which is repeatability, testability, falsibility, empiricism, and, and also the right, uh, the, the, the right type of reasoning. And likewise, the same can be said of the claim that all biological life 
appeared, you know, uh, just by random, you know, uh, interactions of matter and then evolved. Likewise, this is not an actual hard science. It is not like a scientific hypothesis because it can't be that that claim of random mutations cannot be testable in a lab. By its very nature, it is not a scientific theory, right? If you say, if you bring randomness into any theory, it's no longer scientifically testable anymore. Randomness does not agree with science. You can't bring randomness into experiments, right? So, so by the very nature, these theories are actually conjectures. They're conjectures. They cannot be subject to the scientific method. This, again, is a very detailed topic. Now, if you speak about it in very broad terms, some atheist is going to come along and say, oh, no, you misrepresented and you this and you this or whatever. So I'm making a disclaimer here. What I'm saying is that there's a lot more to this topic than what can be presented in five minutes. Go back to the articles on uh, about atheism.net with respect to evolution. There's a whole series of articles in PDF form dealing with that. And likewise with Big Bang Cosmology. And these require a topic in and of itself. All you need to know is that, that these are conjectures and the claims, the specific claims that they are making cannot be backed by the scientific method. Right? So the claim that random mutations lead to new biological designs, whatever, this is nonsense. There's no scientific proof for it whatsoever. This is, this is like saying, this is like saying uh, having a million characters, uh, digital characters, and expecting that the language known as HTML and JavaScript is going to develop by itself. And then once that language is developed, the, the JavaScript and, and, and HTML, you know, all of a sudden we're going to, you know, then CSS is going to develop and then somehow some web application is going to, you know, appear. And then it's just, it's just nonsense, it's just stupidity. There's, there's no scientific evidence that that can or has ever taken place. It's impossible. It's, it's, rash, it's logically impossible to even, to, to even happen. So it's a no-starter uh, from the very beginning. Anyway, that's, that's the first reason. The first reason is successfully presenting these conjectures as actual certainties and realities when it's not. As for the big man, there are thousands of scientists who've written a rejection of this of this belief. Right? They've they've, they've rejected it as a uh, something that's you know constantly requiring uh, new new you know inventions just to patch it up and to make it you know appear to be to be to be valid. Anyway, that's all topic in itself. Second reason. In fact, really, I should have begun. I've got them rumbled in the wrong order. Uh, this that was actually number two uh, the first number in my list with the cause of atheism is actually ignorance of the proofs of Tawheed that should have come first the first major reason is ignorance of the proofs of the Tawheed of Allah Azawajal, and specifically the evidences for his Rububiyyah and we already spoke about that briefly in the lesson early on and part of that reason is that we are raised in Muslim households mostly just blind following and obviously there's nothing wrong with following the deen of your parents when it is the true, true deen, right? However, there's a danger that if you do not instill the evidences of rububiyyah into your children, then they will not be equipped to deal with the shubuhat that might come later from all of these conjectures and you know, materialism and all these other notions and ideas. So basically, ignorance of the proofs of Tawheed and essentially uh, blindly following uh, and, you know, this is a difference between Muslims and others. We've been ordered in the Qur'an, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know, have knowledge, have the knowledge 
that there is none which has the right to be worshipped except Allah. So it has to be upon ilm, with baraheen, with evidences. So we need to produce children who understand you know, the nature of evidence and how we establish Allah's rububiyyah. And they are to be taught the evidences in the Quran of the various prophets and messengers because they are the simplest, most apparent and easiest to understand evidences. So, uh, so, so the first one is basically a general ignorance and there are certain times and places where a type of knowledge is kind of uh, neglected or lost. And that's why the scholars you see Sheikh Saleh Ali Sheikh Nudah saying that we need to uh, you know, promote and emphasize the, uh, the, the evidences of the Rububi of Allah and instill children and students and whatever until even in the mosques where we already have believers to remind them of the evidences of Rububiyyah. That's number one, factor number one. And you can see obviously we mentioned the cause and the cure is obvious from the, from, from the cause. Yeah? So the cause is obviously ignorant jahl. And what is, the, what is the, the cure? The cure is to address this field in terms of knowledge. Second, then there are, which, I ha which I put here was obviously the conjectural, the success of conjectural speculative sciences. This is a great danger for people who are not equipped when they go into institutions and they study and they become affected by the whole, the philosophy, the ideology and the whole way of thinking. And they haven't got the means and the ability to see through the sophistry, you know, behind the whole setup that they, that they have in terms of the, the speculative conjectural uh, sciences. So number two, the success. So a Muslim comes along and he believes that these people are upon something and these are certainties and he doesn't know that this is just pure conjecture and pure uh, speculation. Number three, and there, again they're in no particular order, is that many people see the technological, industrial, economic advancements of Western nations and you know they, they uh, somehow wrongly believe that this was as a result of atheism. Well, this is not true. In the past, there are nations who came and went, and they were more powerful and more strong. As Allah Zajul, he mentions in Surah Ar-Rum, أَفَلَمْ يَسِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Do they not travel through the earth? وَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Do they not travel through the earth and see how was the end of those who came before them? كَانُوا أَشَدَّ مِنْهُمْ قُوَّةً وَآثَارُ الْأَرْضَ وَعَمَرُوهَا أَكْثَرَ مِمَّا عَمَرُوهَا that these people they came they were even stronger in power than them and they traversed and they you know conquered and they populated the, the, the earth more than what these people populated you know and, and built up the earth so the fact that nations become advanced in technology and industry whatever all of this is from from the action of Allah you know he gives nations strength he gives them means he gives them ways and it is not that any one particular, you know, uh, belief uh, as if atheism was behind all of this or as if it's not, not, not true. There were many idol worshipping nations in the past who were extremely advanced in their knowledge of, for example, astronomy and calculation and things of the nature or industry or whatever else. They were extremely advanced. So this has got nothing to do with your particular belief, what, what belief you have. It just simply requires applying your knowledge and understanding of the causes and effects and if you put the time and the effort and whatever then Allah, you, you will get you'll get strength so strength is not a sign of being upon truth and that is very clear from the stories of the nations in the quran nations were destroyed 
They were more advanced and more powerful than you. So unfortunately, many people, they look and they see that, you know, uh, they, they develop an inferiority complex and they think that, you know, Muslims are backward and whatever else and that there must be something in this as to why these nations are so advanced. And that is not true at all. That's, that's false reasoning and false argumentation. And often what you will see is that many of these causes that I'm mentioning, they will work together. It's not just like one cause, it's multiple causes working together on an individual that will then lead him to, to atheism. Right? So that's number, number, uh, number three. Number four uh, is kind of connected to the ignorance of, of the deen. It's basically many people are brought upon a cultural, traditional understanding of, of religion. So really Islam to them is just really, it's a culture. It's a tradition. It's not a matter of haqq and baqil. Right? It's something that my cult, this is what I have in my culture. So many people are raised, in fact, in many Muslim households, they just follow what their parents are doing as if it's like tradition and culture. And the parents don't take the time to teach and make it clear to the children that this is haqq and batil, tawheed and shirk, iman and kufr, halal and haram, islah and fasad. Islah meaning rectification and fasad meaning corruption. Right? So they don't explain to them the wisdoms behind the, the, the halal and the haram and the ahkam or whatever else. So they lead them just to grow and they're following like a tradition. It's like they're following a tradition and a culture. And that's why you see the phenomenon now of like you'll see women dressed in hijab because that's what's in the household. And yet you'll see them like they're committing fornication, drinking, whatever else. And you know, the, the whole lifestyle is no different to a, to, to a mushrik, to a kafir. Right, to a, a whatever, typical, you know, whatever. Right? And this is the end result of allowing this jahl to continue and, you know, this, 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 uh, you know, in the, in the household. So that's number four. Uh, number five reason is there are some people who basically they want to pursue their lusts, want to pursue their desires, and they see in Islam uh, a, a restraint for their desires. They see in the halal and haram a restraint. And then they see the liberal culture in the West and they see these people having fun, having a good time, enjoying themselves, you know, whatever else. And really, to be honest, all of this is just on the surface. This is just on the surface. So they see these societies, the outward appearance of these societies, and because their hearts are inclined to such things, then what came first is the hawa, the desire. And then came afterwards the rational justification for following that hawa. Oh, I, I, I am, I'm an atheist because, you know, the Big Bang proves that whatever else and evolution and this and, you know, whatever else. And, uh, but that's not what, what came first. It's really the hawa that, that drove you. Now you're trying to find a rational justification to justify what you are doing. This is the case with many, not all, not all apostates are as fickle minded as this. Many apostates have actually have shubuhat, they have doubts, right? But many of them are actually like this, they are fickle. And really, it's, 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 they want the hawa, they want the lust, they want the desire, they want the shahwa. And then comes all of the arguments come afterwards, you know, the arguments against Islam, this, whatever. So, so the hawa came first and the rational justification came afterwards. But as I said, not all apostates or atheists are actually like this. Some of them actually have they, are, they have genuine shubuhat. It is something intellectual for them. So we can't put them all into the same you know, category and dismiss them as all 
you know, just, you know, after shahawat, there are people who have, who have shibuhat. And they need to be addressed in a particular way. Reason number five is that, is, is bid'ah, the presence of bid'ah within, you know, among Muslims, something which is muharraf, mubaddal, you have Shiism, you have Sufism, you have like many, I mean, Qadian is not Muslims to begin with, but many apostates are Qadianis, they become atheists, right? And some of them become actually Christians or other than that. And that's because they're upon a muharraf, mubaddal, batil religion, which they treat to be Islam. And then when they see things that don't, you know, are not, are not correct in, the, in that muharraf, mubaddal religion, because the reason sometimes can see something is, is, is false. So in a muharraf, mubaddal religion, altered, distorted, fabricated religion, you're going to see things that you don't, you know, uh, agree with. And so that, the presence of these types of bid'ahs and khurafat among the Muslimin is one of the reasons and causes why, why some people abandon, abandon Islam, right? They are, they, they are using reason in, in a right way in, in many cases uh, because they are rejecting what is muharraf and mubaddal and something that doesn't, is not, not correct. Uh, but obviously they are misguided from other aspects, from other angles. So bid'ah is one of the factors. Number seven is the presence of the people of speculation and false arguments, the people of kalam, again, people of bid'ah. They come along and they use weak and false arguments in defense of Islam. This happened historically in Islam from the first uh, people of kalam, the Jahmiyyah. They tried to prove Allah's existence with flawed philosophical arguments. And as a result, they created much uh, turmoil amongst the Muslims in confusion and doubt. They are no, known as the people of Kalam, Ilmul Kalam. And Kalam is not something that's just historical and it came and it went. Kalam is always present. Kalam is to use the speculations of the non Muslims, the speculative sciences, in order to defend Islam. This is something that always continues and takes this. And that's why we have today, there are the people of Kalam, the modern people of Kalam. People like Zakir Naik, for example, and people like, you know, there's many, many names, uh, Abdul Majid Az Zindani, people like that. They come, they take the speculative theories and ideas of, of the disbelievers, and then they try to argue that they are in the Quran, right? To impress the non Muslims, right? In the field of science. So these are just conjectures. And all you are doing is you are building extremely weak foundations for Iman. And people whose iman is built upon these speculations, conjectures, they will very quickly fall into atheism and disbelief and you know, apostasy when they see that all of this really is, there's no basis to it at all. So the presence of these people and what they've been doing and the way they've been arguing for the past you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, this is a major cause behind the appearance of atheism amongst uh, Muslims. And especially with, with people like Zakir Naik who peddle many lies against the book of Allah Azawajal. from them is the claim that the universe is expanding and they lie upon the book of Allah wassama'a banaynaha uh, the, the, the heaven we constructed it bi'aydin uh, with power wa inna lamusi'un and indeed we are they, they translate this to mean we are expanding they say look this is a proof now for the expansion of the universe how did the Quran know that the universe was expanding 1400 years ago and before Hubble came along, whatever else, the redshift or whatever. Right? This is kadhib upon the book of Allah Azza Because this is not the meaning of the ayah. The meaning of the ayah is that Allah created the heaven, 
expansively it's huge and he's able to increase and expand the means of provision therein this is the meaning of the ayah and they do the same with many other ayat in the quran put things into the ayat which are not even in there right and then this this you are setting people up to have shaky foundations for their iman right and as soon as someone comes along and says well you know in the next 10 20 years well actually the universe is not expanding we were totally wrong because we made a mistake on the redshift we assumed it meant velocity but actually Hubble was totally wrong even he himself said he this is this is wrong I don't accept it we need to change this idea so someone can come along and just you know and all of a sudden the foundation of what you built your iman upon is totally totally gone uh, this is not the, so the presence of these people amongst the Muslims are one of the primary one of the main reasons for people you know turning back on their faith and uh, se they're setting people up for apostasy by by bringing weak, false, fallacious arguments. That's number seven. Number eight, so again, as each of these is the cause, and then the cure, you know what the cure is automatically. Right? The, the cure here is, uh, don't go to the uh, long-winded nonsense of the Ahlul Kalam. Stick to the simple, strong proofs of the prophets and messengers. And go to the people who uh, explain them. Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Al-Qayyim, Imam Sa'di, and things like that. Right? So in all the ones that I mentioned, same with Bid'ah, we know that's the cause. What's the cure? Pursuits of lusts and desires. What's the cure for that? You know, train your soul. So we've got the cause and the cure. You can work that out. Number eight, bad experiences in many of Muslim cultures and societies. So for example, you'll have one was put into a forced marriage. You'll have another woman, you know, on a revenge in some place in Sudan or, you know, the Indian uh, Pakistani subcontinent. You'll have someone who's been... Uh, you know, genital mutilation that they have in Africa in some, some uh, nations which they took from uh, the, the, the Egyptians from many thousands of years back and then they stick it onto Islam, right? Um, just general, you know, and then you have like a lot of tribalism and fanaticism which exists within tribes and all of this brings about like a culture of maltreatment, right? Particularly of women in certain societies. So these women are raised in these societies they can't distinguish between what islam is and what this 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 you know oppressive harmful culture is and the practices that it might have so they come up and then they basically they they, they, they turn against islam they become apostates and so so these are bad experiences which exist and this is because obviously muslims are far from islam from the ahkam of the sharia from the adal which it commands and so this itself requires uh, treatment Number nine is the doubts of the apostates, hypocrites, disbelievers. And they have many shubahat about the Quran. The Quran, first of all, and then the Prophet Sallam, and then the Sharia itself, the ahkam of the Sharia, and then just the Muslims, right? So the Quran, the, uh, the Prophet Sallam, and the Sharia, and then just Muslim societies in general. So for example, about the Quran, uh, you know, they will come and say, oh, this, the Quran is wrong because you know we now know that the uh, you know that, that, that the that the sun is you know the sun is stationary in the earth and your, your Quran says that the sun moves, right? So they bring shubuhat from their conjectures, and you know the, the, the conjectures that they that they bring, whether it's to do with the compilation of the Quran or alleged contradictions of the Quran or in the Quran promotes violence or the Quran doesn't agree with scientific whatever else, all these they have these shubuhat. About the Prophet uh, his marriages, uh, about war, about things of that nature, they'll bring arguments 
um, he, he was mad, he took from the Jews and Christians, he was being taught, he was this, whatever, all shubahat about that. So these are spread, and you know, for Muslims out there without knowledge, and he starts soaking up these, these, these shubahat, well, this, this is going to affect his, uh, his mind and his heart. Likewise about the Sharia, the ahkam in the Sharia, and likewise about Muslim societies in general. So again, this is a topic in itself, I can't delve too, too much on, 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 on this. But just be aware that there are doubts of the apostates and hypocrites and disbelievers spreading lies and misconceptions, and these require scholarly responses. It requires a return to the scholars and you know, you know, knowledge-based answers to, 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 to these questions, which do exist. A person has to go and seek and pursue them with honesty and with integrity. Uh, many of these atheists, you will see these apostates, these are just excuses really for their apostasy. There's some other reason behind, there's some trauma that they had, some really bad experience that you had in your society. You had FGM, you know, you, you became genitally mutilated, your parents treated you wrong, right? You didn't get your education, you're really angry, you've got a chip on your shoulder now, right? And you rebel against that society. Then you come out, you become an apostate, now you want to find arguments, okay, how can I justify my apostasy? And uh, start finding arguments. Oh, well then, so this is where all these kind of arguments, they come along now. Right, so you have to understand that not all not all these apostates. It's not like it's not. Yes, I am now an enlightened, rational being, and I've rejected. It's not like that. Right? Many of these people actually have. They have these traumatic, bad experiences, and that's the real, true underlying cause behind, behind. You know, the rest of it now is just trying to find ways and means to justify that choice. Number ten, I believe we are on, is the presence of extremism and terrorism. And the whole, you know, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and all this violence and nonsense and whatever else. Again, this comes back down to ignorance of Aqeedah. If you are ignorant of Aqeedah, you will not know that these people are the Khawarij, whom the Messenger told us about. We have certainty that they are the Khawarij. Because their ideas are exactly the same. Their actions are exactly the same as the first Khawarij. The Muhakkima and the, the, the Azariqa and the Najadat, right? These people who came along. Uh, we have certainly the, the Khawarij mentioned in the text, and this is a proof to us of the truthfulness of the Messenger of Allah, right? From his foreknowledge that, that he was given, that he mentioned these people would arise in every generation, they would create turmoil, kill the Muslims, rebel, and they would be cut off each time, right? And they have these doctrines and these ideas. So, some weak hearted, naive people will come along and they see something like, you know, 911 or something, and it'll shock the system. Right? And also there's a degree of, degree of naivety with some of these people as well because they don't really understand the world and not everything is really what it appears to be. So, and they will ascribe everything, all the terrorism to these fanatical Muslims when really a lot of the time it's intelligence agencies are involved. Like in Algeria, for example, when the civil war was taking place, it was the, you know, the French government and other people coming along and they were uh, instigating massacres dressed as Arabs. and then the, So then the Khawarij would come along and instigate it. So uh, in, in these situations, there's a complex mix of what's really taking place. The, there are hands that are playing the role in funding some of these extremist groups, right, to lead to certain goals and objectives. So, so we know this, we know this already, that the Khawarij are a calamity upon Islam, the Muslims, and whatever they appear, they destabilize nations and societies. So we know this is from our Aqeedah, this is from our Aqeedah to, to, to know all of this. So Jahl of Aqeedah, and then not being able to react to these affairs of like, the Khawarij and the extremists and the terrorists, whatever. This is again another reason that pushes people um, 
you know, towards, along with other factors as well, towards atheism. Number 11, the whole issue of al-qada wal-qadar and the issue of evil, again comes back to jahl, right? So we see these people, uh, atheists in the West saying, well, death, disease, famine, poverty, hunger, war. How can you explain this? How can there be, how is there a God? And how is this just when all of, all of this is just sophistry that they are, that they are, that they are speaking. And so if a person understands the issue of asma, al-asma wa sifat and the issue of al-qada wal-qadar, and the fact that Allah Azawajal, and the, the topic of al-hikmah wa ta'leel, which is the wisdom behind Allah's actions, all of this a person uh, studies and knows and understands, it will resolve all of these issues, these issues that they raise about death, disease, calamity, war, famine, poverty, injustice, and all the other stuff uh, that, that, that they bring. So al-qada wal-qadar, the issue of evil, our scholars have discussed this in detail, Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn al-Taymiyyah in their books, all of this is, is satisfactory answer. So the person can refer back to those issues to address those particular uh, shubuhat. And number 10, number 12, we finish with, so you can see that all these factors will often work together in one individual. Right? A collection, sometimes there'll be five or six of them will work together, sometimes it'll be like, you know, multiple, multiple factors that come to play. But the 12th, which we shouldn't dismiss, is just outright pure arrogance. There are some people, it is just pure kibr and nothing else. And these are people like we mentioned, Fir'aun, people like that. There are present people who are like that today, right? There's no other factor, it's just pure arrogance. You are too arrogant to acknowledge that there is an authority over this universe and you can't accept that. You're too arrogant to accept that. And it's too uncomfortable for you to accept that. So you want to live your life upon other than that, than, than that, right? So it's just pure arrogance, there's no other reason or explanation, it, it is pure arrogance. So you find that there are some Muslims who apostatize because of arrogance that they develop. And I came across one of them, I spoke to one of them uh, in America on the phone for about, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, this young, young boy, about 14, 15. And this is what happens with these people. They have a bit of intelligence, so obviously you're intelligent, and then, you go through the system and you believe everything that you're told and then you start looking down you start thinking, oh wait a minute i'm I, i'm so clever and i'm so intelligent and everyone else is just thick and stupid and you know i can now see uh, i've learned all these things in, in in science and physics or whatever and what they do is they, they, if there's arrogance if there's people who kind of have this seed of arrogance it'll develop into something else and then when you speak to this guy and you ask him like the most basic things about history of science and things like that, well, they'll say, well, what's that? What's that? You know, who, who, who's so-and-so? Who, who's, who's Hubble? Who's Einstein? Who's, I've got a clue. It's totally clueless. All they've done is just blindly followed whatever they've been fed with, with no rational, critical thinking faculties and think now that they are somehow superior than everybody else. But that's only because there was a seed of arrogance to begin with in the first place. And that seed of arrogance will eventually lead you to, to disbelief and apostasy, right? So, so in some cases, it is pure arrogance that came first. The rest of it was just a means of like, you know, it's like you have a seed of, uh, you plant a seed in the soil and the rain water and everything else comes along. It just grows, the, turns into a plant. In a similar manner, you have a seed of arrogance. That seed of arrogance is in your heart. Then that seed of arrogance is going to be nurtured by whatever experiences you go through and whatever things you soak up, it's going to nurture you and, and out and it's going to develop into kufr and zandaqa. 
Now, some people who are like that. So people who have this seed of arrogance, they're going to be drawn towards this, this kind of direction. So the, the, these are the 12. So as you can see, there are, there are causes and the cures obviously are contained within, the, within understanding what the actual cause is in itself. So we'll have to come to an end here. We've obviously been going for a good few hours now. Um, so this is a complex topic. We've just introduced the topic and uh, given you some food for thought, inshallah ta'ala. But perhaps on other occasions we can go into maybe uh, a Sa'di's book or maybe look at some other you know, uh, materials in order to go through, in order to address this subject in a more systemized, in a more systematic manner, inshallah ta'ala. But hopefully uh, there's been some food for thought from today's lesson. And I must obviously emphasize this disclaimer that I want to make that when you speak in generalities, which you have to in a, in a, in a, in a discussion like this, it's possible for someone to take a general statement and oppose you in that general statement. Like I spoke about cosmology, I spoke about evolution, and this circumstance doesn't allow to go into the details. Uh, so I want to make it clear that these are general details. And as for the specific detail issues, the claims that we're making that these are conjectural and speculative, we can prove that. We can prove that with evidence, with hardcore evidence, that these are just pure conjectures and nothing else. And we are prepared to do that. We have the evidence for that. Uh, so, but in a general lecture, we just make general statements suited to the audience. Um, but, you know, so just want that to be made very, very clear uh, that you speak in accordance with the nature of the audience uh, and as for what the claims that we've made we can back up those claims uh, with evidence or will that meet the standards of scientific evidence so obviously because I know that people will be many listeners of different backgrounds going to be listening to the recording so I want that point to be made very 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 clear from the from the very beginning so inshallah we'll stop here if there are any questions that you want to ask uh, we can dedicate a short amount of time to that, inshallah ta'ala. Um, but I do refer you back to the, the documents I said. Go to aboutatheism.net and likewise to aqeedah.com. Two documents on cosmology and uh, evolution. You'll see that discussed in a lot more detail. This article is published in the Nature magazine. Uh, it's in, in a section that they feature called Horizons, where they're discussing like future developments in science and what direction we need to go to. It's by a guy called Paul Nurse, and it's July 24th of 2008. And you can see he's got a picture of like an organism, you know, exactly like a machine, right? Exactly the, what this Piglucci guy here, Mario Piglucci, uh, was whining and mourning about right so here in this article he's got a whole machine like looking character with by which he's representing the cell and he's called the organism right so you cannot escape from machine type language you just can't escape it if you're going to discuss biological life you cannot escape it right so you're basically just banging your head against the wall uh, when you try to come up with this nonsense about, you know, we need to remove this language from, from, from education and science. It's impossible. It's impossible. That's why you cannot separate fitra, fitra and creation are inseparable. These two are just completely bound like this. They are un that's what they're trying to do. What that guy is saying here when he's saying we need to not use this language, 
when we're teaching because it might lead these students to whatever. He's trying to separate, he's trying to erase the fitra. We can't do that. The fitra, the fitra is, is fitra and fatir, the same, same root, fatara. You know, the innate disposition and origination and creation. You can't separate these two. It's locked like this. And you can see this clearly in all of the scientific papers that they write. It's all, you can see all the language. It's like, it's all language of creation, design, purpose, organization. It's impossible. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? So, so as I said, these people are witnessing the ayat of Allah. And it's their kibr that makes them reject what they're basically seeing. Nothing else. So their purpose is to misguide people. So yeah. Well, well, there is the dal, the one who's astray, and there is the mudil, the one who misguides others. Yes, there are those who misguide on purpose, deliberately, and they are the ones who are at the top, who, ben who are the beneficiaries, they benefit from people being upon, you know, believing that there's no creator, no purpose, right? They're, see, there's always false religion, this is false religion that they're upon, right? So the beneficiaries of false religion want to hinder the people from the message of the prophets and mess the, the book and the wisdom. Remember the book and the wisdom we mentioned at the beginning? The book and the wisdom brings with it what? Al Amal al Saliha, Al Ulum al Nafi'a, Al Adab al Aliyah, Al Aliyah, right? all the lofty manners and whatever. This is what prophets and messengers bring. But there are people who profit from the masses not being upon that. Right? So they want they want to hinder people from religion because religion is a barrier to their profitability. So there are those who are the Mudillun. They misguide upon knowledge deliberately with purpose. They know what they are doing and they spread these ideas, right? All these lifestyle systems, lifestyle philosophies and all the rest of it, whatever, yeah? Just play with the minds and uncle of the people, mislead them, misguide them. There are people like that, yes. And so they benefit because they benefit financially. Remember, disbelief, kufr. Uh, a person disbelieves because, because of motives. He doesn't want to leave his wealth. He doesn't want to leave his authority or power. He doesn't want to leave his lusts and desires, right? There are, there are, there are factors as to why people, why people disbelieve. Uh, um, how would you give da'wah to the people of deism? And is there levels to it? And you said different motives. For example, some people, they do believe that there's a creator, but they don't want to assign to, um, to religion. They'll try to say, no, it's man-made as all of them are, and I don't want to ascribe to them. So how would you... Uh, yeah. Well, with deists, as we said, they, they reject what they call organized religion, and that's because of what they... Largely what they're dealing with is, is, is false, fabricated, muharraf, mubaddal religion, right? So they see so many gods, first of all. They see so many uh, different religions... Uh, and then they try to bring like uh, a naturalistic explanation as to as to how and why these religions appeared, or they try to give, um, like they try to claim that they're just forms of control, and they are just this, and they are just this, and they're just that, and whatever else. So they have shubhat of this nature as to why they don't accept, um, uh, you know, what they refer to as organized religion. So to answer these people, you have to establish uh, the evidences of prophethood, right? Uh, because they believe that the creator was just disinterested in his creation. As he created it in the, you know, the way that it was created, but then he's just got no interest whatsoever. And so therefore, sent no books, sent no messengers, sent no... So you have to focus upon 
the proofs of prophethood, the fact that many prophets and messengers, they claimed prophethood and received revelation. And these are more famous and more well known than any philosopher. You know, their status and their praise has been made great. And what they brought was all uniform and coherent. They brought something that was uniform and coherent, namely that there is creation, uh, which the deist accepts, and that there is resurrection and that there is accountability, right? So these three or four foundations have rational evidences. As for creation, he's already accepted that. As for resurrection, then resurrection, the proof that is all around us in the continuous cycles of life and death and, and, and rebirth, and that's the evidence of the Qur'an. The evidence of the Qur'an is to argue for the res resurrection by what we see of life, death, rebirth cycles in, in the life of this, of the, of this world. Um, and, and so establish the, the, the proofs for resurrection and the proofs for prophethood. Right? So in the Qur'an, there are those proofs, there are those evidences. You have to revolve around those evidences to explain uh, Prophet Muhammad what he came with of the Qur'an, where did it come from, um, uh, and, and all the other the, the corollaries which come off from that, like you know, the, the, the uh, foreknowledge, the ilmul ghayb that he was given, um, uh, and you know, all the other things that he basically came with, his sharia, and how it is uh, beneficial for mankind. You can highlight the issues of alcohol, hijab, riba, um, you know, things of that nature. So there are many aspects that you that you that you take in order to convince the deist that Allah did not neglect his creation. Right? That, that doesn't make sense. Right? Rather, he is, you know, uh, involved with his creation in the sense that you know he 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 knows, uh, he sends guidance and whatever else. So. Uh, yeah, there are ways you can deal with the deist. And as you can see, um, uh, their problem is just with religion aspect and not really the, the, the creator aspect. They accept the creator aspect. Uh, so it's more on, on religion and the aspects of prophethood, sharia, and um, resurrection. So you've got to look at the evidences for that. Uh, so each one is a topic in itself. The ahkam of the sharia. The benefits, wisdoms, the resurrection proofs, evidences, prophethood proofs, evidences. So that's how, how you'd focus on that. No, yeah. No, no, no. Is that again? No, well, first of all, um, in, in, in the Quran, it is clear that the phenomenon of day and night is by way of the motion of the sun right so this is something that's not questionable it's not under any dispute because it's so clear and apparent in the verses of the quran that to deny it becomes uh, disbelief as for now you can have you can have a model you can develop a model by making anything stationary. This is what the, the scientists themselves say, right? So the current accepted science right now, and which it has been for a hundred years, is that we don't know what is stationary and what is moving. It's all relative, right? So you can choose any place as being stationary. You can take the moon as being totally stationary. And then you can construct a model and build the mathematics and all of it will work you can't falsify it right so what what you choose as the starting point of your model 
is something that's purely philosophical. It's something that's purely down to you what you what you want to choose, right? This is what the actual current accepted science is, right? And stated by you know uh, physicists and scientists like you know George Ellis and other people. This is what they are, what, what what they are basically saying, right? So so in other words, there's nothing. <coughs> In science today that can disprove a stationary earth with everything else going around it there's no evidence to disprove that you can't actually disprove that there's nothing to disprove it however it's just simply a matter of personal preference so these obviously atheists they prefer that the earth is not the most important place for their view for their religion which they have they have a deen they have a religion to them they just prefer the view that actually earth is not so special it's, you know it's just it's is spinning and then it's moving and then it's moving with the sun and it's moving with the galaxy and it's in, in one insignificant part of the universe somewhere whatever this whole idea and this notion is something that just they philosophic they, they prefer to have this model but there's nothing scientific even though they're going to claim they're going to start bringing evidences there actually isn't there isn't any scientific evidence that can establish that the earth is actually moving it's just a Now this is a whole different topic. I won't, won't, won't really want to go into that. Yeah, there are satellites that are in low Earth orbit, right? There's low Earth orbit, and then there's what's way beyond that. In low Earth orbit, there are satellites that are going round around Earth. Yes, that's true, right? That's not a proof that the Earth is actually actually moving, right? Earth is totally stationary. If the Earth was moving as they claim, see, this is why the contradiction. I will show. I will show you just one contradiction to answer your question. They bring this evidence that the Earth is rotating. This evidence is called the Foucault Pendulum, right? The Foucault Pendulum. What they are basically saying is if you have this, if you have a huge hall and you have this metal wire and you have this huge steel ball, right? And if you imagine that was on the North Pole at the top of the Earth. So imagine you've got the, here's the globe here, right? There's North Pole at the top, right? So imagine the North Pole. And imagine the North Pole, you have a, a building where there's a huge... 100 foot wire and there's a huge ball and then you push that ball like this you push that ball like this yeah in this line like this like that yeah so the ball is going to start moving forward like backward like this yeah yeah so what they're saying is because the earth is rotating what's going to happen is that ball if we're in this room it's going to start going like this this going to start going uh, like that it's going to start going so basically it's going to do a whole circle round 